welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin, and Austin is away visiting family this week, so you're stuck with just me. I'm doing my first solo pod here. Uh, Austin's done a couple of them, so I thought I'd give it a try, but do me a favor, download this episode. Uh, If this ends up being our lowest downloaded episode of the season, I will literally never hear the end of it from anybody else. So just do me a favor on this one. Throw me a bone here. Uh, Anytime I'm away, Austin seems to like to do a bonus Campus Life episode. Now, I believe in bringing you info for both sides of your C2C team because I'm here for you guys. Austin really only cares about what he wants to talk about. But this episode's actually going to be a little bit of a hybrid episode. Uh, We'll start with some Canton Bound, uh, some NFL news, who's in, who's out, COVID, all that good stuff, who you can trust this week, some other news. Uh, And then the second half of the show is going to be a little recap of the biggest risers and fallers and some of the additions this year to our campus to camp and campus rankings um, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. I'll talk a little bit about why some of them rose, some of them fell and kind of their outlook for uh, the next year or the future. But first, uh, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edward Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow them all on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or go check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, So week 14 in the books, congrats to anybody who made the playoffs. If your playoffs started last week, congrats to anybody who's still in the playoffs and congrats to anybody who started Tyree killer, Travis Kelsey this week, Uh, looking real good for you guys. Um, Especially given everything else that's going on right now. Uh, So we'll just dive right into some news here. COVID is running rampant through the NFL right now. Uh, It's running rampant through the country, but also through the NFL The Rams, uh, Washington football team, and Cleveland all have over 20 players who are in the protocol right now. Um, The uh, Browns-Raiders game got moved to Monday. Rams-Seahawks to Tuesday. Uh, Washington and the Eagles also moved to Tuesday at this point. Um, All these teams have have significant players out uh, between the Rams, Browns, and uh, Washington. Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen both out. Uh, Washington's looking like they might have to start uh, Jordan Tamu or um, Garrett Gilbert or, or Kyle Shermer, I think was the other one. Um, so not not a lot of great options there, which obviously impacts the entire rest of that team if that game ends up getting played. Uh, Baker and Case Keenum for the Browns also both in the protocol. Uh, I believe that one is looking at Nick Mullins to start potentially. Uh, not something you... Not not the worst option, but you probably have better. Um, Kareem Hunt, Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, all also in the protocol. Uh, Tyler Higby's in the protocol. Uh, other players on the COVID protocol here. Tyler Lockett, Alex Collins, Jalen Waddell, Allen Robinson, uh, the Bears offensive and defensive coordinator and special teams coach, and Sean Payton. A lot of guys this week who are looking very questionable Now, Odell Beckham uh, did just test negative, so he reportedly should be ready to play on Monday. Some of these guys may 
end up out of the protocol by the time these games rolled around since they got pushed back. So this is definitely a situation everybody needs to monitor here moving forward this week, especially in such a crucial week. I also have to monitor some of these injuries going on out there. There's a lot of those too. Um, Damian Harris was just announced as out. DK Metcalf didn't practice again. Darren Waller's out again. Javante Williams didn't practice yesterday. Melvin Gordon has been limited all week. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's now out for the year. DeAndre Hopkins is out for at least the rest of the fantasy year. Uh, Lamar Jackson mispracticed twice this week. He's sounding like he's doubtful. Uh, sounding like they may go with Tyler Huntley. And Josh Allen was limited in practice this week. So there's just, and then that's on top of all of the other good players that have already been hurt this year, like uh, CMC and Henry and all of those guys. Uh, so the options this week in such a crucial week are looking very, very limited. Um, so, you know, that kind of begs the question, who can you actually trust this week? I mean, you have the obvious studs. You have guys like Dalvin Cook, uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Devontae Adams, like all those guys, those are all going to be great. But, you know, you, you, it, your flex spots are looking, uh, looking like they could be a little rough this week. So you know, just some guys here that I like this week that are, a little bit under the radar they're you know probably more flex options i doubt they're available on your waiver wire but hopefully you stash them you know as a break late break glass in case of emergency kind of player uh, but the first one here would be devonta freeman uh now lamar looking like he's going to be out uh huntley is not a great passer uh, freeman's had some some decent some usable fantasy weeks this year uh, and Green Bay is 10th in uh, rush yards per pass attempt um, given up. So you could definitely do a lot worse than Devonta Freeman. I mean, he's he's really going to be the focal point probably of uh, Baltimore's offense this week if, if Huntley ends up being back there. Um, Huntley's also a good runner, you know, to an extent in his own right. He's definitely not Lamar Jackson, but he's mobile. So that could help out Devonta Freeman in the running game as well. So he's a guy that, you know, if – if, if I'm looking uh, looking at anybody that I mentioned earlier and, you know, if I have to roll out Devonta Freeman, it's not the worst player in the world there. Uh, next one would be Donta Foreman. Uh, McNichols was back this last week, so it's kind of a three-man backfield there in Tennessee now. But Foreman still had 13 carries, uh, 47 yards and a touchdown. Also contributed a little bit in the passing game, two catches for 15 yards. Um, that's 13 points. 13 points out of your RB2 or, you know, probably not your RB2, probably more your flex, but 13 points out of a flex this week could potentially be a week winner with all these injuries, all the players on COVID, uh, you know, any, anybody that you're going to be forced to start there. Um, so, you know, they also play Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just got gashed by Dalvin Cook. Uh, they give up the most rush yards per, pa uh, per rush attempt in the league. So, you know, you could definitely do a lot worse than Dante Foreman too. He may be available on the on the free agent wire if you if you have to go pick him up. Um, again, you know, these are just kind of some deeper names to consider for starting this week. But you know, if you're in a pinch, I think Devonta Foreman could provide. I think a 13 for 47 and a touchdown and two catches for 15 yards against Pittsburgh is very much in play. Um, I don't know if maybe he doesn't go for 100 yards this week, but I still think he's going to have a nice week for you. Uh, next up would be Christian Kirk and AJ Green. Uh, now, last week, um, Christian Kirk went three for 86. AJ Green went seven for 102. 
Um, so, you know, they, they each got a, a fair amount of work. Now, Hopkins is out now. Uh, they play Detroit. So those two are looking at more of an increase in volume. Uh, the, you know, Kirk's actually the leading wide receiver in terms of catches and yards this year for Arizona, which is something I didn't know before looking into this show here. Um, AJ Green going to be a little bit more risky, but, you know, again, there's there's definitely worse options out there. Um, you know, they played Detroit, like I said. There's the worry that this one gets out of hand early, but Detroit is also a bad enough uh, team and a bad enough secondary where these guys could could both blow up uh, in that early frame. Uh, um, next one would be Amon Ross St. Brown. So sticking to the same game here. St. Brown's had 12 targets in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Hawkinson is shut down for the rest of the year. Swift may not play this week. He's still banged up. Um, yeah, he's still questionable. So Amon Ross St. Brown may be the, the best offensive weapon that Detroit trots out there this week. Um, he, despite seeing all those targets, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown does have yet to hit 100 yards this year. He'll only have one touchdown, which came two weeks ago. So no matter what, Amon Ross St. Brown is a limited ceiling play this week. But Detroit and Arizona actually is the highest point total of the week. Um, so Vegas is expecting this to be a higher scoring game, at least. Now, the Detroit's uh, team implied team total is 18 um, based off the book from DraftKings, which is what I typically use. So Detroit's probably going to be throwing all game. They may not put up a ton of points, but they're going to be chucking the ball. So like I said, I think Brown is a very safe play this week. Again, you could definitely have some worse options out there. I don't necessarily know if I would, um, you know, it, obviously if you're in the playoffs, you, you hope you have some better options here than these guys. And, you know, these aren't, I'm not sitting here saying definitely start these guys banging the table for them, but these are, like I mentioned, kind of break glass in case of emergency plays that I would feel comfortable starting this week if I absolutely had to. Um, you know, it's like I said, if, if your opponent played uh, Kelsey, and had Kelsey and, and Hill this week, probably in some trouble. If you had Kelsey and Hill this week, you could probably afford throwing one of these guys in your lineup and, you know, taking the 13 points that they end up with and, you know, calling it a day and hoping you're moving on. Uh, for other news here, Urban Meyer fired this week. I mean, it's this was this was a controversial hire. This was a hotly debated hire. There were definitely people who loved the Urban Meyer hire. There were definitely people, people like my co-host Austin, who absolutely hated this hire. I would tend to decide with Austin where this was probably not the best decision. Urban Meyer, I mean, he's just been the kind of guy that has really just racked up issue after issue after issue every single place he's been. You know, when he left uh, Florida, they had all those sanctions. I believe Utah was in some trouble, too, when he left there. Uh, you know, left Ohio State amidst some trouble. So just always, always seem to be some issues in Urban Meyer-led programs. And you can kind of get away with that and kind of hide it a little bit more in college. But once you get to the NFL, you know, he's coaching other grown men. You know, these guys are not going to be afraid to call Urban Meyer out for, for what it is. And you saw that. Uh, there were numerous players who came out saying various different things about Meyer. Um, even Trevor Lawrence, you know, for, uh, rookie quarterback, is, came out and kind of questioned him and said, hey, you know, didn't in so many words, basically said, why is James Robinson not out there? You know, he's one of our best players. He needs to be out there getting the ball. So 
it's very telling when when even a guy like Trevor Lawrence is is you know not saying flattering things uh, in in the media. So Urban Meyer fired. I think this is good news for Trevor Lawrence and the offense as a whole, kind of regardless of who they bring in. Um, Lawrence, very shaky year this year, but he's one of the the best prospects we've seen in, in a, quite some time. I mean, he was what previously was the highest ranked QB prospect of all time. So Quinn Ewers came around, um, you know, he was did nothing but show nothing but show excellently on the field there at Texas or at uh, Clemson in college and then number one overall pick. So fantastic pedigree here. I'm still in on Lawrence. I don't know if really anybody was actually out on Lawrence. I think that, you know, you saw a lot of people out there saying, oh, buy Trevor Lawrence, buy Trevor Lawrence. But I don't know how many people were actually selling. The people that took Trevor Lawrence took him really early. So I think there were a lot of believers in him. And I think there's still a lot of believers in him. I'm I'm definitely one. So, you know, getting Urban Meyer out of there and hopefully getting a competent offensive mind in there, but just a competent coach in general should be a boon for, for Trevor Lawrence and, like I said, the offense as a whole. The interesting debate is going to be James Robinson versus Travis Etienne. It's going to be debated all offseason again. So we're going to get sick of this one. But, you know, neither one of them has been picked by whoever this new coach ends up being. So that's also something to keep in mind. You know, he the, the new coach isn't really going to have anything invested in either of these guys. Now, the the GM, I be, I, I don't believe um, Trent Baalke's going to get fired at all uh, over this. I, I think he's probably earned himself at least another year. Um, so he will at least have something invested in ETN. So if I had to pick between the two, I am still going with ETN. I also think ETN is a more explosive player. Um, I, you know, he's he's got definitely got more speed. So I would probably side with ETN there as well. But James Robinson, still a very talented player, still a player worth owning. You know, you could potentially see maybe like a, depending on who ends up there, you could see a Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb type situation where you have two backs who are both pretty fantasy relevant. Uh, it's really, really depend on who who comes in there, obviously. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. But like I said, you're probably going to get sick of hearing these two guys' names um, in the same sentence this offseason. Uh, then you also have um, Chenault, a wide receiver. Everybody wanted him to break out this year. I thought he was going to have a fantastic year this year. I thought he was going to fill that, um, you know, Paris Campbell, Curtis Samuel type role in the Urban Meyer offense. And that just really wasn't the case. Um I'll be interested to see again, you know, when when they get a new coach, how he ends up being used, because DJ Chark is going to be a free agent. Uh, I think if DJ Chark is smart, he probably uses this as a chance to get out of Jacksonville because that place has um, really not been a great place to be the past couple of years. Um, you know, you've heard, you know, Tom Coughlin had some his had his issues there before, um, you know, so they Doug Murray. Um, Wow, why did, it, why did his name just come? Doug, name just escaped me. But, you know, he was all, for all intents and purposes a good guy, a good coach, but just uh, you know really lacked in the offensive side of the ball. The offense, uh, the, the locker room was never really all together. So this has just kind of been a toxic situation for a while. So I think Chark probably is best elsewhere. And then, like I said, you know that leaves kind of Chenault, Marvin Jones type of a guy if they draft somebody maybe too, but. Uh, Chanel's not a guy that I'm ready to give up on yet. You know, he's somebody that I'd go kick the tires on because he's had a disappointing year. 
Um, so that is that's really going to do it here for the uh, campus or for the Canton side of things here. Uh, you know, kind of flew through that a little bit quicker than I thought here, but um, you know, this in the playoffs, it's not a lot of uh, not not a lot of things to talk about at this time of the year here. Um, obviously, besides the news and some of the uh, so some start sits this week to help you with your playoffs. Uh, we'll be back, you know, next week with Austin. Um, you know, we'll, we'll bounce some other ideas off. We'll start getting into some of these rookies, start sharing some of uh, you know targets that we're going after in the off season. So, you know, we'll, we'll be bringing you content here all off season. Uh, this is just you know the playoffs week, just kind of one of those weeks where it's a little bit slower. So, you know, good luck everybody out there this week. Um, hopefully bring home some titles but we'll get into the second part of the show here the uh, rankings recap now you know we started tracking our rankings at the beginning of the year here so i have um the data from the first uh from the first rankings update right before the season that was from um, eight uh, from august 30th uh, and then our most recent update uh which we have is um from 12 1 and you know we'll, we'll be updating these rankings once a month in the off season. Uh, so these are going to be subject to change. I do see some guys on this list that I think are going to be risers in our next update, as we kind of as everybody uh, on the team kind of catches up um, to the off season. You know we've been putting out a ton of national signing day contents. We've been really focusing hard on these freshmen that are incoming. So definitely go to the YouTube channel, check those out too. We've just been pumping out the freshman content over there. But as we start to kind of catch back up on uh, on the guys in school, you know, I think you're going to see some some more changes in uh, in the rankings here, and you know that could start with a guy who was uh, one of our biggest risers this year at the quarterback position. That's Tanner Mordecai. He started the year as the QB 77, uh, and since then he rose 38 spots, or I'm sorry, 42 spots to 35. Sorry, not a math guy. Uh, rose up to 35 right now at this point. He ended the year as the QB 14 on a points per game basis. And uh, he did lose uh, his coach, Sonny Dykes. Uh, he went to Texas uh, TCU, uh, but they did bring back Rhett Lashley uh, as the, uh, as the head coach there. Now Lashley ran a up and down uh, system at times there, but you know, he really took off at the end of the year with um uh with tyler van dyke so i don't think this is a net negative really that much for mordecai i'm mordecai still a guy that I like a lot going into next year um you know and, and i think he has some of the traits that you're looking for in an nfl quarterback so i think you know while i don't necessarily see him being a round one guy um, he's one of those guys that i could see being you know a round two quarterback and get potentially getting a shot at the next level i think he'll make a roster so uh, he's He's definitely earned that rise this year. The next guy at the quarterback position who rose up the rankings this year is Anthony Richardson. Uh, he started the year at, at QB 45, and at this point he is uh, QB 25. Uh, I'm guessing Felix you know, hasn't had a chance to put him as his QB 1 yet, so that could potentially still rise here as well, especially with the news of Emory Jones going to be entering the portal. Uh, they lost uh, Nick Evers, their quarterback commit. So it's really looking like it's going to be the Anthony Richardson show this upcoming year. And I'll be interested to see how Napier uses him exactly. Um, Cause he was absolutely dynamic this year as a runner. And 
you know, definitely leaves something to be desired as a passer. I mean, he has the arm, he has the tools, but uh, he's, he's got to put it together there from an accuracy standpoint, from a mentality standpoint as well. Uh, this is going to be a big, big offseason for him. Uh, he's a guy that at this point in drafts is going earlier than I'm willing to take him. Right now, he's going as the QB 10 through five of our mock drafts so far. Um, he's going right at the tail end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth. And honestly, that's just too rich for me. I mean, he could probably be a very good fantasy asset for you this year. And he has a lot of the tools to be, uh, you know, an, a potential NFL draft pick. But I just, I don't know how much I trust him. You know, it's going to be a new coaching staff. So it's far from guaranteed that he gets the starting role. Although I, if I'm putting money on it now, I do think it's going to be him, you know, and then he, he brings a lot with his legs, but I think he's the type of guy that could, I think he's the type of guy that could just end up being a very good college fantasy quarterback. And then that's it. And that's not somebody that I'm willing to take uh, at the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth. You know, I was, I was out on Malik Willis this past year and I think Malik Willis has more secured draft capital uh, than what Anthony Richardson's looking at, at least barring any sort of a massive improvement. Um, so I'm, I'm likely out on Anthony Richardson. All, you know, although he's definitely earned the rise this year, just based on his legs and loan and his fantasy asset. Uh, the next riser here is at the quarterback position. Kenny Pickett rose from 61 to 26. Uh, definitely well-deserved there. I think he should probably even be a little bit higher than that. And he was the QB eight in points per game uh, this past year. He's Mel Kuyper's number one quarterback. Uh, Heisman finalist. He's getting a ton of draft buzz here. It's sounding like he's going to go in the first. So I think he needs to be ranked higher than that. Uh, honestly, at this point, uh, you know, obviously the campus rankings, once, uh, once the calendar turns and we figure out who's declaring and who's not, you know, we'll, we'll move some guys out. So Kenny Pickett is likely going to be, out of these rankings, but he'll be into your, into your rookie draft rankings. Uh, he's we've, we've done a couple of, of mock drafts so far uh, over at the site, just between some of us, you know, we have one of them up on the YouTube page. Kenny Pickett's a guy that I see going in the, uh, the Mac Jones range from this past year, you know, so I think he'll probably be like an early second in your rookie drafts as the quarterbacks, uh, the quarterback position this year's in the draft. Like we've said before, it's, it's a little bit light, and I, you know, Kenny Pickett doesn't really offer much with his legs there. I mean, he's, he's definitely not a statue or anything like that. Um, but you know, it, I don't know if he's going to get away with that whole fake slide at, at the next level. Um, so I, I see him being just more of like a, a mobile passer ability to extend plays rather than, you know, picking up a ton of chunk yards on the ground. So from a fantasy asset standpoint, you know, for, for your, uh, NFL side, I think he's just going to be, you know, he's kind of like a QB two. I think that's kind of what he'll end up being, uh, which Matt Bruning says has a ton of value. Um, and I don't mind taking it, you know, in, in the early second, if he starts to climb higher than that, I'm probably out on picket in my rookie drafts. Uh, the next riser we have on the list, Hendon hooker, uh, wrote, started the year at QB 63 rose to QB 44, and he's a guy that I also think is going to rise uh, for us this offseason as well. Uh, he's a guy that I think is a little bit too low at this point because he was the QB nine on a points per game basis. 
and he's returning for year two in a hypo system. Uh, and I mean, that alone, you know, I think should should rank warrant a rank up closer to, you know, 30s because I think he's going to have a huge year next year. We talked about it um, earlier this week or last week, but I think Hooker has has a good shot to be a top 10 QB for your college side next year. Uh, and I think that's going to be valuable for sure. And then he was getting a little bit of draft buzz here and there. Uh, I do think it was beneficial for him to come back and try to improve that stock again. But, you know, he's a guy that I think is is probably looking at day two draft capital as a quarterback. So, you know, you could definitely do a lot worse than that. Uh, so a handed hooker is a guy that I like a lot. He'll be he'll be a guy that I'll be targeting in in drafts this year because right now he's going as the QB 30 off the board. Um you know, and, and I think that that is it, with my strategy this year, I've been tending to kind of fade quarterbacks a little bit more. Uh, I've been leaning a little bit more towards Austin's uh, zero QB strategy. So he's definitely a guy that uh, I'm comfortable targeting in, you know, the end of the 10th round, which is where he's going right now. Uh, and the last riser we have here, Sam Hartman started the year at uh, QB 40, 84 and rose up to the QB 43. Um, he finished the year as a QB 40 or as a QB seven in, in a points per game basis. He had a fantastic year. Uh, you're starting to hear a little bit of draft buzz about him as well. Um, so, you know, he's, I don't know if I'm necessarily there just yet on it. Wake Forest kind of runs a wonky system. Uh, they were on that long RPO um, system. So, I'll have to dive in a little bit more to him this offseason in terms of as an NFL prospect, but in terms of a college prospect, I mean, he's coming back a QB seven. I don't know if it'll necessarily be repeatable, but I think, you know, he's, he's looking at a back end QB one type year. I think that's definitely within range, you know, maybe closer to like the 12, maybe even down towards 15 QB. But yeah, I, you know, I think he's still going to be a very uh, good fantasy asset for you this year as well. So he's a guy that also definitely earned that rise. Um, and I've sent on to some fallers here. We got a couple obvious ones at the top. First one, DJU. Uh, he was our QB one at the uh, in the consensus at the beginning of the year, and uh, you know you saw a lot of people with him ranked up that high. And he had fantastic freshman year, hype all off season, and just a massive disappointment this year. He was the QB 112 in a points per game basis. He's fallen to the QB nine right now, so still inside our top ten. But he's another guy that I do think is going to continue to fall for us. Now, one thing for DJU, he does lose his OC. Tony Elliott is going to Virginia. Is that potentially a good thing for him? Because that offense was terrible this year. So if they bring somebody else in, hopefully they can maybe shake it up. Uh, you know, that's a glass half full approach to DJU. But, uh, you know, he's he's definitely a faller and his value hasn't really taken a huge hit yet. He's still going in, in our mocks through five of them so far as a QB eight um, at an ADP of 45. That's that's still a little early for me. So I'm likely likely not in enough with D, any DJU anywhere. And if I can get value for him at that QB eight spot, you know, if I can get that type of a value in a trade, I'm probably trading him away, to be honest. Um, the next one, we got Spencer Rattler, another kind of obvious name. He fell from QB2 at the beginning of the year. So our QBs1 and QB2 kind of a fall. Um, but he fell to QB14. He's a QB106 in a points per game basis this past year. Ended up getting benched for Caleb Williams. Um, he is now at South Carolina, 
they actually have some weapons there. Um, you know, I like Amari and Brown, like I mentioned last week. Uh, they have uh, Austin Stogner followed Spencer Rattler there. Uh, they still have a decent running game, uh, at least in uh, Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd, Juju McDowell. So they'll probably be a little bit more run heavy this year. But, you know, I think Spencer Rattler could be a, you know, back end. I hesitate to say back in QB two. He's probably not a guy you want to start in most weeks, but he's definitely a guy that you could start some weeks if you need to, especially early in the year, depending on what South Carolina's non-conference schedule looks like, you know, he could put up some, some decent points at least early, uh, but he's definitely gonna have a lot to do in terms of uh, raising his draft stock. So I think even QB 14 might even be a little bit too high for him. Uh, you know, he's currently going as the QB nine. So neither him or DJU have seen too much of a hit so far. Uh, which is something that I do expect to to continue uh, to see kind of correct itself later in the offseason. You know, like Austin mentioned on his zero QB show, these guys um, definitely going way too early now. And as people start to catch up, I think that'll course correct a little bit. Uh, the next faller here, um, JT Daniels was our QB 10. He fell to the QB 23 at this point, And he's a guy that I think is, is going to continue to fall because I have no idea what happened to him this year. Was he hurt? Was he just outplayed by Stetson Bennett in practice? And they, or did the coaching staff just like Bennett better because they didn't have a reason to turn away from Bennett? He was winning games. Uh, you know, he was fine. So I don't know what happened to JT Daniels this year. He was the QB 167 in a points per game basis. Um, just absolutely terrible. And I don't know where he goes. I, you know, I don't know if he sticks around at Georgia. I don't know if he has any sort of a future here. I, I definitely think he needs to fall further than uh, further than 23. I think that's something else that's going to kind of course correct itself uh, as the offseason moves on, too. I think you're going to start to see him fall. So you can get absolutely anything for Daniels. I, I would definitely take that right now. Um, and then we have the next one here, Hudson Card. That one hurts for me. Uh, pour one out here. I was definitely a big card proponent. Uh, I was, I was a very big card proponent to say the least. Uh, he fell from the QB 21 to the QB 46. Uh, he was the QB 200 on the nose and uh, points per game this year. Quinn Ewers is in Malik Murphy is in uh, Casey Thompson's out, but I, I think Hudson card is, is going to go too. I, I think he has to transfer to try to salvage any sort of potential that he might've had before, which I definitely think there was potential there. Now, where does he go? That's hard to say. I think in the right system, he could still be a very fantasy-relevant quarterback because he's still an electric athlete, still has all those tools. So depending on where he ends up, he might have some college success, but the the pro, it's looking like a longer and longer shot of him having any sort of Debbie potential, um, which which that one hurts to say. They said I was a, I was a big proponent of his, as everybody knows. Uh, last one, we have uh, Keaton Slovis fell from QB 13 to QB 24. Uh, he was a QB 121 in points per game. Uh, he got passed uh, up on the depth chart by Jackson Dart. Uh, and Keaton Slovis now in the transfer portal. Uh, I've seen some rumors out there on Twitter about possibly San Jose State. That one doesn't make any sense to me at all. Siobhan Cordero just went there, and I think he could do a little bit better than that. I mean, if nothing else, I think he could go to, you know, like I mentioned, a Houston type of a school. Um, you know, I think if even if you wanted to go power five, 
you know, he could go to a uh, Arizona and and be fine there. I think he could go to some other Pac-12 schools if he wanted to stay out west. Um, you know, I think you could see maybe Oregon State. He'd be fine there. So he he probably has some better options uh, than than San Jose State. But the biggest thing for him is just going to be the right system. He has to go to a good system to really have any sort of CFF potential. I never really saw much uh, NFL potential in in Slovis, and I think that that is kind of shot for him as well. Maybe he gets drafted, but it's not going to be late. He's not going to get any sort of a realistic shot. So if you have Slovis or if you're considering taking him, you better hope that he uh, he ends up in a good system. Uh, we had a couple additions here in the in the season here, um, and again, all of these that I'm highlighting here are just are guys that stood out to me. This is not an all encompassing list here. These are just as I was going through, um, were some of the things that stood out to me. Um, and you know, some of the additions here we had we had Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, he is now the QB 27 on a points per game, or uh, a QB 27 in our rankings. He's a QB 29 on a points per game basis. There's some rumors that Joe Brady may end up at Miami, which would obviously be huge for Tyler Van Dyke. Um, he was a guy that Austin highlighted as a potential big winner uh, this season after the coaching carousel. Um, and his ranking is kind of reflecting that. He's currently going as the QB7. Uh, he's going at an ADP of 39.7 through six drafts so far. Um, so there's there's definitely a lot of hype going around Tyler Van Dyke. You know, I, I think it's warranted for the most part. I'll have to dive in a little bit more for the NFL side of things, but I did like what I saw. You know, I like his tools. Uh, I thought I thought he was very accurate too, as well. So uh, he's a guy that that I have definitely come around on. Um, Felix has been hyping him up for a while, if you haven't noticed on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Van Dyke is a guy that definitely deserved to be in our rankings. Um, Felix fought hard for him, and it's showing. Um, Hennig- Seth Hennigan is the next guy that we had added to the list here uh, that I wanted to highlight. Uh, he's currently at QB 43. It was the QB 32 in uh, points per game basis this year. He missed some time, is banged up. Um, he was, a, but he's a true freshman this year, uh, so he's going to be a sophomore next year. I don't really think he's likely to leave early at this point so far. So you're looking at three more years of production for him. And somebody for three years of production is a QB 32. And I think that can even improve as well. You know, that's, that's definitely has a lot of value. Um, Donovan Smith is the next one here. And this is another uh, Felix Sharp special. He currently is a QB 63 for us. He flashed in two games this year and was pretty bad in the other two. Uh, They have a new coaching staff there. They were hired in November 8th. Uh, they rolled with Donovan Smith for three games. Uh, now, um, the uh, offensive coordinator, Kitley, uh, did just join the staff after the season here. So you have to think that he's going to probably have some input in the offense. He's going to have some input in who they have as the starting quarterback there. But I think it is telling the new coaching staff uh, role that was hired that came in. They rolled with Donovan Smith for three games. Uh, now, Shuck was hurt, and Shuck is going to be coming back. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Baron Morton is still there as well. I like Baron Morton's talent. I think he has a bit of a weird throwing motion, but he's accurate. He's mobile. Uh, he can scramble a bit too. He can pick up some some yards here and there. His arm strength isn't great, uh, but it's passable. 
I think he could be very good in Kaylee's system, to be honest with you. I, I like Morton a lot. Morton's a guy that I'm more interested in than Donovan Smith um, with Kitley taking over. I think Morton can fit that system very well. But uh, and, and Morton's actually currently ranked two spots ahead of Donovan Smith in our ranking. So there's uh, some other sentiment about that out there as well. But honestly, these guys both uh, QB 61 to QB 63. There's definitely some risk baked into these guys. You know, these guys are, are guys that you take later and you hope for the best kind of a situation. Because I think either one of them, whoever ends up being the QB there at Texas Tech this year, is looking at a big year. Uh, it's just the matter of figuring out who it is. So this could be my Mississippi State from last year. You know, everybody likes to uh, to poke fun at the drafts, all of the guys, and figure it out later, depending on their ADPs. And, you know, Will Rogers, Will Rogers had a nice year this year. I, I think, you know, this could be a similar situation at, at Texas Tech. Uh, on to the wide receivers. Uh, the risers, another Felix Sharp special here. Um Trending theme here, guys. If you don't follow Felix, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, but you definitely got to go follow Felix. But there's a lot of guys on this list that you know weren't ranked at the beginning of the year um, or were ranked pretty low, and Felix was on these guys early. Um, like Levi Valentine said in his uh, review, Felix likes to shoot from deep, but he uh, he, he has he has some hits. He has his fair share of hits there. So the first riser, Jameson Williams, uh, he was ranked wide receiver 90 he is now wide receiver 18 at our site uh, he was a wide receiver eight in a points per game basis he had a fantastic year um he has a huge chance to prove himself here in the playoffs with john mechie out uh going up against a uh, cincinnati defense that people like uh, they have sauce gardner there at corner two now you know they talked about it on debbie debate i'm kind of in agreement i don't i, I don't think it would be smart to shadow sauce um or to shadow jameson with sauce gardner um, you know, so we'll see how that one shakes out. But either way, still a good secondary. Uh, Jameson Williams has a huge chance to prove himself here. If he has a big game, you know, his draft stock is going to rise even further. I think he's gone to the NFL this year. I think this is, this is the time for him to go. Uh, I would be surprised if he came back. He's looking at possibly a first-round pick right now. He has, you know, the Bama pedigree. He's an uber athlete. I think he's going to destroy the combine. He just had a big year from a production standpoint. I think this is the time for him to go. I think he's going to gain a ton of hype this offseason as well. Uh, I think he'll end up being a first-round rookie pick in some drafts. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's a bad investment at all. So Jameson Williams, huge riser for us. Um, the next riser here, Jaden Reed. He rose from wide receiver 72 to wide receiver 58. But he was a wide receiver 28 in points per game this year. He had a fantastic year. Uh, he's a junior. He can and likely will come back. Um, Peyton Thorne, all, the quarterback, also going to be back there for Michigan State. Kenneth Walker, I do believe, is somebody who's going to be gone, though. You know, he has to capitalize on this year. Uh, he was a Heisman finalist. So, you know, I, I think he has to capitalize on that momentum and go this year. And, and he was the focal point of the offense. Um, Jaden Reed, you know, maybe he steps in and, and takes over, um, you know, even more of a role. I think that maybe they pass a little bit more this year. Um, with Kenneth Walker gone, although they they did bring in Jalen Berger. Um, they're talking to two freshmen. They're looking at potentially bringing them in. There's some rumors about them with Andrew Paul, even a Trevante Citizen rumor. I think if they get either of those, that's huge for them. Um, so I don't think the running game is going to go away by any means, but 
you know, I don't know if they'll have a guy that they can lean on like they did with Walker. So they may have to throw the ball a little bit more. And I think Jaden Reed could be a beneficiary there. Uh, I, I think Jaden Reed deserves to be a little bit higher in our site here as well. So I think he's a guy that's going to continue to rise a little bit, but I think he's going to keep going under the radar, especially because like I said, he finishes the wide receiver 28 in, in points per game last year. Um, so, and I, I think that could be repeatable. Uh, the next one on the list here is uh, Eric Azukanma. He started as the wide receiver 162 for us. Uh, he is now up to wide receiver 82. Uh, he was a wide receiver 75 in points per game. Now, he had a torrid start to the year this year, uh, but he really faded towards the end of the year. Um, he is a senior. I don't know if he can come back. I'm not entirely sure uh, with like the whole COVID year. That just, you know, that, that kind of throws some things off. He could potentially come back, I think, uh, which would be huge. I mean, they just brought in Kitley. Uh, you know, and kit, slot wide receivers are typically the ones in Kitley's system that uh, have the most volume uh, and, and a lot of production. You know, just look at Jared Stearns. Uh, but Texas Tech doesn't really have anybody who's established in the slot. I mean, Kalon Geiger is gone. You know, he came in as a grad transfer. Uh, they have Miles Price, maybe. Um, you know, he had a solid year this year. But er, either way, Eric Ezekama is clearly the most wide established wide receiver if he comes back. So I think he will have a pretty significant role there. And just in Kitley's system, you know, that's a that, that's a great system to be in for fantasy purposes. So, uh, you know, the wide receiver 82, I think that feels about right for Ezekama. Definitely better than the wide receiver 162. Uh, on to some fallers here. Uh, the first one is a guy that I mentioned, you know, a little bit earlier when I was talking about Spencer Rattler is Amari and Brown. You know, he's a guy that I liked. We liked him here at the site. He was our wide receiver 51. Uh, he has now fallen to wide receiver 86. Uh, he was virtually non-existent this year. Uh, but, you know, South Carolina was dealing with a lot at the quarterback position this year. It's going to be settled. So, I think Amari Brown represents a value here as, a, as the uh, wide receiver 86. Uh, he's definitely a guy that I'm, he's fallen for sure, but I'm not out on him like I am on some of these other guys. Um, like the next guy here, Demond Demas, he's was at the wide receiver 48. He's now down to the wide receiver 80 for us. Uh, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse here with him or the other guy. We've talked about both of these next two a, a lot as as fallers and i just i think it's hard to trust him on demas and you sell him for anything you can get right now um, julian fleming is our next follower he was the wide receiver 50 he's now the wide receiver 74 um he's a guy that i'm also pretty much out on i'm willing to trust him maybe a little bit more um just because he's at ohio state right now i mean i think it's probably smart for him to transfer but you know, maybe with uh, Wilson and Olave leaving, maybe he earned something of a role this year. And I think that'll mean something at Ohio State. So I would take him in the right price, but the right price is way later than he's going to go. So I'm pretty much out on Fleming. Uh, next one is CJ Johnson, wide receiver for um, uh, wide receiver for ECU. He was our wide receiver 43. Uh, he's now our wide receiver 89. And I think he's going to even keep falling too. He had that really nice freshman year and just has not been able to do anything since uh, he, he's kind of cuttable at this point. He's a guy that I'm, I'm pretty much out on too, which, which hurt because you know, this is another guy that I liked. Um, so that one hurts. 
Another guy that I liked here as well was Elijah Badger. Uh, he was our wide receiver 47 to start the year. He's now our wide receiver 70. Um, he was always a bit raw. He, you know, he was an athlete, um, you know, but he was an Uber athlete. He was extremely athletic. He's kind of in that Brandon Ayuk mold, you know, not to, to scout the helmet too much there. Uh, Cause he is at Arizona state like Ayuk was, but you know, Elijah Badger is the type of guy that I think he was a little rough around the edges, but if he can put it together uh, in, you know, year, what will be year two for him uh, because he was ineligible, uh, his original freshman year, um, due to grades and everything. So if Badger can put it together here in his, in his year two on the field, I think we could see him take a step forward, but wide receiver 70 probably feels about right for him at this point. Um, and I actually, I did miss uh, one of the risers here as well. Um, Zuccari Franklin wide receiver UTSA. I don't know if it's Zuccari or Zachary. I'm terrible at pronunciations guys. So I do apologize. Um, he started the year as our wide receiver 181 and has now up to the wide receiver 143, uh, which is borderline criminal. Uh, he was the wide receiver 35 this year on a points per game basis. Uh, I think he he's a guy that uh, I think is going to rise here this offseason. He's going to get some attention, especially with McCormick. Uh, Sincere McCormick announced he's going to the NFL now. Uh, so uh, Franklin could be the focal point of that offense next year. And I think UTSA probably just had their best year. Um you know, everything kind of culminated for them this year. They had a fantastic year. So I think they're going to take a step back next year, but they'll still need somebody on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that could be Franklin. Uh, you know, I think wide receiver 35, probably probably in his range of outcomes again for next year. So at a wide receiver 143, that's absolutely in a value. Uh, on to some of the additions for our wide receivers this year. Um, first one here, we have Jacob Cowing um, or Cowing uh, from UTEP. Uh, he is at the wide receiver 67 for us right now. He was the wide receiver 20 on the year on a points per game basis. I think, you know, he's, he's, he had a fantastic year. I think he's likely for another one as well. So, um, you know, he was definitely a guy that was uh, needed to be added to the rankings. Uh, next one we had is uh, Devin Tompkins. He's currently at the wide receiver 96. He was the wide receiver four in a points per game basis. Um, he's a senior Again, can he come back? I'm not entirely sure with the COVID year. It's going to be something to keep an eye on. If he does, uh, he's a guy that should rise in our rankings. But if he's not, if he doesn't come back, I don't see much of an NFL future for him there. So really just a CFF only type of a guy. On to the running backs here, uh, risers. We have the obvious one, uh, Mr. Kenneth Walker, who uh, started as the RB59 at our site. Uh, propped up pretty heavily by uh, Mr. Matthew Bruning. Uh, he's now a uh, RB9 at our site. He's the RB7 in points you know, points per game basis this year. Like I mentioned, he's likely going to the NFL. I think he's looking at a day two pick right now. Uh, where exactly he goes on day two will be interesting, but I think day two is, is very safe for him. Uh, he's going to be a guy who goes probably in the middle of your first round of your rookie drafts. Depending on league settings and everything, you probably could see him go anywhere from like the 105 to the 109, 110. But he, so he's a guy that, you know, fantastic year this year. And and if you have him, you're looking at some some nice NFL value as well. Next one we have here, Blake Corum, uh, wide receiver 50, or started as the running back 40, 55. Now the running back 19. Uh, he was the running back 24 in a points per game basis. Son Haskins is off to the senior bowl. So he is gone 
So Quorum is looking at splitting with Donovan Edwards. We talked about it a little bit before we ran a poll on Twitter, and it seems like every a lot of people are thinking, you know, Edwards is a little bit more valuable than Quorum, but they are neck and neck. You know, Quorum showed he's a pass catcher here as well. Uh, I worry a little bit about the size because I think he's maxed out at his current size, which is a little small for the NFL. But either way, I think he, he's looking at a nice year again next year. You know, I think he'll have a maybe RB24, maybe a little high, uh, probably closer to the, uh, you know, RB30-ish, I think, but still a very nice asset for your CFF team. Uh, except just because I think Michigan probably takes a step back next year, just because I kind of just had everything roll right for him this year. And I just hate Michigan. Um, next one we have is uh, Raheem Sanders. Uh, started as the RB 57 for us. He was a guy that we really liked over at the site. That um, He has risen to the RB 22. Now, that's not really for much production this year. He was the RB 204 in a points-per-game basis. They did have a 100-yard uh, game this year. He ended the year with two touchdowns, so he had some nice games. Uh, but the biggest thing is he earned a pretty nice role as a true freshman. Uh, and, you know, that that speaks volumes to him as a player, as, as a, uh, as his talent, you know, he was an athlete as he was a recruit, um, but he was an excellent athlete. You know, he, and that shows on the field, they were originally going to play him at wide receiver. So he catches passes really well, but he's just so big and so fast. They had to play him at the running back position. Um, he's a guy that I think definitely thinks has some NFL potential as well. So the, the RB 22 definitely feels uh, appropriate for him. Although that's a little bit high, I think, um, you know, I just I worry a little bit about the the amount that they're going to split carries there. I think Traylon Smith can come back. I think AJ Green can come back. But you, you, so you're pretty much taking Sanders here, I think, for his debut potential. Uh, next one on the list, we have Tyler Beatty um, up from the RB 86 to the RB 37. He was the RB three in a points per game basis this year. Now he's another guy that I'm not really sure about. He could possibly stay with the COVID year. Um, if he does declare, I think he's likely a day three guy with pass catching ability, could earn a role at the next level. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a guy that could be worth for picks in your rookie draft in the third. But if he does come back, uh, the RB 37 is, uh, is 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 cheap for a guy that could put up that much production. Next, we have Lou Nichols started as the running back 97 up to the running back 68. Uh, he had an RB Four finish on the year. He had a monster finish. Um, somehow, also a freshman and eligible for the draft. I don't really know how that how that works there. Uh, red shirts and COVID and everything like that it does some weird stuff. But I, I, I think he's coming back, and I think he's going to have another monster year at the uh, at, at uh, Central Michigan there. And everybody is kind of showing that so far in mock drafts. He's going currently going as the RB twenty four in mocks. So uh, he's a guy that I, th I think is going to see another rise from us here in our rankings this offseason. Because um, I think, you know, when he comes back, I think he's going to have a fantastic, uh, fantastic year this year as well. Um, and then the last one we have in the risers is Jalen Warren. Uh, he was the last ranked running back at our site at the, pre at the beginning of the season, ranked 176. Uh, it was kind of thought that um, L.D. Brown or um, Dominic Richardson might earn the carries there, but Jalen Warren was the one who really took a hold of that backfield at Oklahoma State. He rose up to the uh, RB96. 
He's RB 36 this year in a points per game basis. I think he's gone. I'm pretty sure he was a grad transfer, I believe, from Utah State. Uh, but either way, I'm pretty sure he's gone. Probably a guy who's going to be a late pick in the in the NFL draft if he gets drafted. Um, may hang out on a roster somewhere. But, you know, it was a nice rise, a nice rise and a nice run from Jalen Warren. You know, the fallers, uh, Kevin Harris is the uh, first one here. He was the RB 14 or 17, fell to the RB 30. That even feels a little bit high, possibly, although with Zaquandre right, with Zaquandre White um, declaring for the drafts, you know, maybe Harrisy's a little bit more value, but that's still going to be, I think, a three-headed back uh, mess of a backfield. So that's a guy that I'm avoiding. Noah Kane, uh, that one hurts too. That's another guy that uh, I, I liked, uh, but he just hasn't been able to put it together, really. You know, he he's kind of just looks like a plotter at this point. Uh, and, you know, the athleticism's not there. They're, Penn State's bringing in some other running backs, so we could see him have even less of a role than what he had this year. He was the RB14 for us at the beginning of the year. He has fallen to RB39. I think he's a candidate to continue to fall, especially as we um, start to integrate some of the freshmen and we integrate uh, Singleton and Katron Allen there. Sticking with Penn State, Kevon Lee is another faller for us. He was the RB62. He's fallen to the RB93. He had a better year than Kane, but I wouldn't even call it a good year. The, the running game for Penn State was just abysmal this year. Uh, and Kane is, or Lee is most definitely a plotter. Uh, he's just kind of a between the tackles guy. You know, he's a three, three yards in a cloud of dust and he struggles to get much more than three. Um, so I, I, another guy that I think potentially could fall, although 93, 93 feels like a spot where he'll probably, probably hang out um, for us, but definitely a guy that deserved to fall from his current ranking. Uh, and then the last one is another guy that I was pretty high on. Uh, he had a fantastic year two years ago in the COVID year, extremely efficient. Uh, that's Austin Jones, but he really struggled this year. And he was our RB 22. Uh, he has fallen to RB 48. Um, you know, Nathaniel Pete uh, for, for Stanford also, you know, earned some touches in that backfield too. Uh, Austin Jones just did not have the type of year that I really thought he was going to have. I thought he was going to have a fantastic year for the college side and he catches passes as well. So I thought he had uh, some NFL future, but that's looking like that might be uh, might be shot at this point. Uh, on to the additions. Uh, we got three of them here. First one, Braylon Allen. Um, obviously a guy that at the beginning of the year, uh, he reclassified into this class, was switching positions to running back. People were people really liked Jalen Berger, uh, but Braylon Allen is a guy that, you know, he was a guy that you know, people had their eye on and, uh, you know, stepped in at Wisconsin there this year and just took over. I ended up as the year as the RB 41 in a points per game basis, but I, I mean, I think that that is going to be even higher next year, I think. I think he's going to be a big-time CFF producer. He's currently sitting as the RB23 for us. Uh, but in mock drafts, he's going as the RB7. Uh, he's an ADP of 13.2, so he's going right at the end of the second, right at the, or right at the end of the first, beginning of the second. That's a little rich for my taste, personally. Um, he's, he's still learning the position. He's very big. He's very fast. Two fantastic qualities that you really can't teach. So if he can learn the position, uh, he could have a huge, a, a huge NFL potential here, um, or a huge NFL future. But 
either way, I think he's going to have a big time. He's going to be a big time CFF producer. So I think the RB 23 feels a little bit closer for me than the RB seven does. I likely won't end up with a lot of Allen because I think he's a little going a little early for me personally. Uh, the next guy is a guy that I like a lot too, though. Um, Rasheen Ali, uh, he's currently at our RB42. He finished the year as the RB5 in a points-per-game basis as a freshman. Um, he catches passes. You're looking at three years left of production from him. You know, As far as CFF producers go, it's going to be hard to find a more valuable CFF producer than Rasheen Ali, given his three years of production left. Uh, last one here is a Matt Bruning special. That is Carson Steele, uh, running back 53 in our rankings currently. I know he did finish the year as a RB 111 in a points per game basis, uh, but he started out the year not much of a role. He's a true freshman this past year. He finished the year pretty strong, uh, finished with over 100 scrimmage yards in four of his last six games, really took a hold of that role. So I'm excited to see what he does next year. Uh, I think RB3 might be. RB 53 might be a tad high, but I do think he's, you know, as a true freshman, again, like I mentioned with Ali, three years of production left. Carson Steele, uh, at worst case scenario, should be a, should be a solid college producer for you. And then on to the tight end position here. Uh, not too many in this category, so this one should fly through quick. First, we got Brock Bowers. Obviously, a huge, huge season. He was the leading receiver for Georgia in every single category, and it is not close. Um, he is the tight end eight in points per game this past year. Uh, he rose from the uh, tight end 30 to the tight end two for us. At the beginning of the year, um, Daryl Washington and Eric Gilbert were both looking like they were potentially in his way. Um, Eric Gilbert had some issues. Uh, that he had to step away from the team. Um, Daryl Washington or Darnell Washington ended up uh, getting hurt. And then Brock Bowers just stepped in and never looked back. You know, he's a true freshman. So he's got two years left. I think he's, if he keeps on this current trajectory, he's looking NFL bound after three years. He's a high end athlete for the position. Um, I, I still have uh, Michael Mayer ahead of him currently, personally, but I don't think it's crazy by any means to have Bowers as your TE1. And, you know, I, I'm not ruling out the possibility that I end up getting there this offseason myself um, as I start to dive into things a little bit more. Uh, next one, we have Michael Trigg, uh, tight end USC. He was a 20, tight end 26 for us, is now a tight end 21 for us. He's a guy that I think is going to rise. He didn't have a great year this year uh, as a true freshman. Uh, he was seven for 109 and a touchdown through four games. He had a lot of hype this preseason, though. Uh, from the USC coaching staff, they were all raving about this guy. Now, they do, obviously, USC brings in Lincoln Riley. So I think that's actually a whole boost for the whole offense. You know, Lincoln Riley's offenses have used tight ends in the past. Look at Calcaterra. Look at Stogner. Um, you know, so they they have, you know, they, they um, who was the other one? Oh, Mark Andrews. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they he uses tight ends in the offense there. Trigg's an excellent athlete. You know, I, I think... Uh, Trigg is representing a really nice value right now. So he he only rose five spots, but he's a guy that I wanted to highlight here at least. Uh, and then last one we have is a riser is Trey McBride. Uh, he was the tight end 12 for us, rose to the tight end five. He was a tight end two in a points per game basis behind only Josh Simon, who I think he played one game. Um, so basically, for all intents and purposes, the TE won this year. 
Um, he is going to the senior bowl, so he is gone. Um, he, he, but I think he's the type of guy that, uh, I think he might get drafted a little bit earlier than some people think at this point. You know, I think he's probably looking at some day two draft capital here. He catches the ball very well. He's a good athlete. Um, and you know, he's got good size as well, but he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be looking to, you know, snag here and there in, in some rookie drafts because he boasts an absolutely absurd 2.69 and 2.77 receiving yards per team pass attempt the last two years, which is ridiculous for a tight end. Um, you know, so with numbers like that and his, his profile, I think he's a guy that uh, presents a really nice value in rookie drafts right now, especially in tight end premiums, because I have a feeling he's probably going to go in the third round. Uh, then on to the fallers. We only have two here. Uh, Eric Gilbert, it's an obvious one. He was our tight end three at the beginning of the year. Uh, he was away from the team at that point, I believe, um, or, you know, but there was still some uncertainty surrounding it when he might come back. He has not been back at all this year. I have not heard anything concrete about whether he'll be back with Georgia. Uh, you know, you, you hear some rumblings that he's expected to be back with them, but, you know, until I hear some more concrete rumblings until, you know, until there's a little bit more smoke, I don't know if there's fire, um, He's falling to the tight end 11 for us, and that's still really just hanging off on his, you know, massive recruiting profile and his very, very nice freshman year at LSU. Um, so if he can ever straighten it out, you know, he could be he could be of huge value, but uh, it's looking less and less likely. Last one is uh, Jaleel Billingsley. He fell from the tight end seven to the tight end 16. For us, uh, he was the tight end 86 in a points per game basis. Um, he was in Saban's doghouse all year this year, um, starting at the beginning of the year. Um, Saban was calling him out for not practicing hard. Um, it's hard to get out of Saban's doghouse. I mean, he had one big game this year with over 100 yards, and then he basically had absolutely nothing the rest of the year. Um, Billingsley's also undersized, so Billingsley just is a guy that I, I'm just pretty much avoiding altogether at this point. Um. That is uh, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Um, Austin should be back with us uh, for Monday for the for the uh, campus life. Um, but tune in to the other pods this week. Debbie debated a really nice episode this past week with uh, all four guys, Chris Moxley included. Um, they talk about a uh, you know a lot of interesting topics there for National Signing Day. Um, always check out why wait till Sunday. We get the fantasy football roundtable or sorry fantasy roundtable. Uh, the three and out pod, a lot of pods over there on the network. Keep an eye on those. Uh, be sure to keep a lookout for the campus life that is coming to you on Monday this week. Uh, I know the holidays are coming up. Um, our Canton Bounds schedule is potentially up in the air with those holidays, but campus life going to keep on, keep on chugging. Uh, so keep an eye on that one for Monday, uh, but that's going to do it tonight. Um, see you guys then.